It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. One more to go. I'm Jeff Nathanson. One more baseball game tonight in Major League Baseball. It's the Red Sox and the Yankees. Always a classic. They'll start in just a few minutes at Yankee Stadium. Everything else is final now, including the Phillies over the Nationals. 4-3 in 13 innings on a walk-off by Andrew Knapp. Braves beat the Cardinals 6-5. Freddie Freeman went yard. White Sox double up on the Rangers 10-5. The Cubs outslugged the Twins 11 to 10. The two teams combined for 30 hits in the game. John Lester got the win for Chicago. The Indians have finished off the Athletics 15 to 3. The final in that game, Francisco Lindor, his 21st of the season. James Paxton went eight innings and got the win as the Mariners blanked the Royals in a pitcher's duel, one nothing. Pirates 7-5 winners over the Padres. The Rockies and the Dodgers had a pretty good game out in Los Angeles. It was 4-4 in the bottom of the eighth inning when the resurgent Matt Kemp came to the plate for the Dodgers. With a fly ball to center field. It's well hit. It's on its way and it is gone. A home run. Tapia went all the way back to the wall. Tried to make a leap. It turned out to be futile. Didn't bother. Kept trotting around the bases with his 14th home run of the year. And the Dodgers have a 5-4 lead. Final score is 6-4 to four as you hear the call on KLAC and the Dodgers radio network. Kemp drove in four in the contest. Giants beat the Diamondbacks 9-6 the final score in that one. Orioles over the Angels 8-4. Manny Machado and Mark Trumbo went back-to-back homers in that one for the Orioles. The Reds beat the Brewers 8-2. Tigers 9-1 over the Blue Jays. Mets 5-2 winners over the Marlins. Steven Matz got the win. And the Rays beat the Astros 3-2. Blake Snell won his 11th. I'm Jeff Nathanson, NBC Sports Radio. This is KCAA. This is Joe Lyons. Riverside Municipal Airport would like to now honor the birthday of our great nation, the 4th of July. 
242 years ago, a small group of men changed the course of American history. One of those men was a lawyer and merchant from Connecticut, Roger Sherman. A cobbler by trade, his love of reading enabled him to educate himself, and over time, Roger Sherman became rich and influential. He pursued numerous business interests, served in the Connecticut legislature, and as a superior court judge, and eventually received an honorary degree from Yale. A strict Puritan, Sherman detested violence, but he was an... KCAA. This segment of broadcasting brought to you by Tender Hearts TLC Incorporated. Tender Hearts, the helping hands for your loved ones, where they understand it can be difficult to find time in your already busy schedule to attend to all the needs of your aging loved one. Tender Hearts will be there for your loved one when you can't be. Tender Hearts TLC helps your aging loved ones stay in their home as they specialize in tender, loving, 24-hour service, including transportation to doctor's appointments, medication reminders, meal preparation, light housekeeping, and assistance with activities of daily living such as hygiene and grooming, orientation, and companionship. We thank Tender Hearts for their support of this station. Tender Hearts TLC, where they don't just care for your loved one, they give them tender, loving care. For more info, you can reach them at 909-528-9759. That's 909-528-9759 for Tender Hearts TLC. KCAA Radio is proud to announce that the Tri-City Center in Redlands is our new home. We're fortunate to be located among some of the best businesses in the region. Among our neighbors are Ray Chiropractic, Brace Connection Orthodontist, Pain Solutions Medical Massage, Rent-A-Center, MVP Staffing Agency, Jenny Craig, Salon Centric, and many more. The Tri-City Shopping Center is located just off the I-10, between Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. The Tri-City Center is the mall with the heart. K-C-A-A. Why are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world, online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook. You'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And get ready to transmit. K-C-A-A. Thank you for tuning in for this edition of Justice Watch with Attorney Zulu Ali. I am Attorney Zulu Ali with the Justice Watch crew, Rosa Nunez, Michael Bilal Clark, and Dr. Akil Bashir. This week, like we do every Sunday, we will be talking about critical and important legal issues affecting our communities. Today we'll be talking about the uh, border crisis issue uh, that's currently pending 
and also we'll also talk about the uh, recent uh, uh, confirmation of the uh, Trump administration's uh, Muslim travel ban. Our guest today is Umar Hakim. Umar Hakim is a native of the city of Compton. He serves as executive director of ILM Intellect Love Mercy Foundation. And after a 13-year career in telecommunications, uh, Umar shifted careers to become an urban entrepreneur, which opened him to social and community service. He earned a bachelor's uh, in business management from the University of Phoenix and a master's degree in ethical leadership from Claremont Lincoln. Umar is now responsible for, for facilitating ILM's vision for social change, where change means providing an intuitive educational experience that empowers local uh, Angelinos. Umar draws on the key principles of facilitative leadership to coordinate ILM's programming, which includes humanitarian day. And Umar says, we organize these components for human and leadership development, which also encourages interfaith dialogue and developing relationships across a wide scope of positive people. As an active alum with the American Muslim Civil Leadership Institute, and he is a facilitator trainer for its national program housed at USC Center for Religion, uh, Civic Culture. Through his training, he contributed to civic social organizations, including New Ground Muslim, Jewish Partnership for Change, created a partnership with California LA Voice, PICO Network, and is an active participant with the City of LA Emergency Operations Center for Disaster Response and Relief. In 2012, Umar founded Inker IG, which is an advisor, advisory organization that believes encouragement is a strong tool for consulting and social media content. Umar aims to, uh, to design encouraging next, next steps for leaders in need of clarity. So I want to thank you for joining us today, uh, Umar, for being with us. I really appreciate the fact that you've uh, you know, wanted to come on to the show to actually discuss these uh, uh, important and legal uh, legal issues affecting our communities. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm not much of a legal analyst, but I'll do my best to give the people the necessary information that they desire. Right, right. Well, I appreciate that. One of the things I wanted to, to begin with when we talk about the uh, issue regarding the uh, border family crisis is keep that together. I'm sorry? I said keep our families together. Absolutely. They need to actually keep our families together. And actually what's interesting about the policy is that they are, uh, you know, trying to uh, address the whole issue of someone entering the border or coming to the border as a uh, an illegal entry. And what they've done is I think it's kind of like one of those uh, technical legal uh, arguments that they're making in order to justify what they're doing. Uh, basically, the policy has always been that when someone comes to the border seeking whatever entry, whether it's asylum or, or whatever it is, or withholding or whatever the issues are, typically those individuals are at some point in time provided some sort of interview to determine whether their claims are reasonable and then, you know, they're allowed to enter into the United States and pursue their claims. However, what they have done is they have immediately tried to implement some sort of so-called 
zero po- uh, zero tolerance policy where they're treating everyone who's coming to the border as someone who is committing a criminal act, detaining these individuals and taking their children away from them, regardless of what the circumstances are, which is is a a uh, goes completely away from what we've been doing in the policies before. So I really don't. Although you know we talk about whether there's a, a legal analysis of what they're doing, there is no legal justification for them to actually automatically assume that someone comes to the border is actually coming to uh, commit some sort of criminal offense. In fact, in the past, the only time that entering the United States had been considered to be an illegal offense is when when someone has actually been removed from the United States through deportation proceedings and attempts to come back into the country uh, illegally at that point. So it seems to me that basically the motive really isn't to in some way develop some sort of zero tolerance policy for people who are coming to the United States as a criminal offense. Obviously, there's some sort of ulterior motive uh, with regards to what they're doing. So I just kind of want to see if you can kind of chime <coughs> in uh, a little bit about your take on what the administration is doing with regards to separating these children from their families. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. And um, my take, um, whether it's a, whether they have a, a legal ground or not, this is more of a moral issue that's affecting those trying to enter the country. Because my mother is is, a, is an immigrant from South America, and her intentions of coming to this country was basically to seek health, security, and protection the same principles that the United States advertise all over the world, saying that they, this is what we provide to those who come here. So when you have um, our folks from Mexico or whatever country they're coming from, they're coming on the grounds of what America has advertised all over the world and made itself known. And then when they reach these gates or these shores to be rejected and, and humiliated, and then on top of that, have their children separated for them, totally counteract that advertisement of health, security, protection, and in the pursuit of happiness. So right now, you are seeing a, a, a small group of people who are in fear of their existence and trying to uh, put over what you call a, a utilitarian move and, get, and, and to keep their control. So it's really unfair what's happening to our brothers and sisters at the borders and those who are being held at the gate. And um, it's really, um, this is what's motivating the protest. Right. Because this is more of a, a moral issue, if anything. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think that what happens is that, uh, and, and this is the irony, the irony is that those people who have been practitioners, legally as well as, you know, in all aspects of immigrants' rights. This has never happened before. I mean, so obviously there is no no reason for it. There is really no legal justification. And, again, I think you're right. I think that it is becomes an issue of morality. It's a moral issue. I think that one of the things that uh, we spoke about last week, and, and I think that it really is important to what we're talking about today is that oftentimes these individuals, and again, I'm not going to sit here and and bash the United States, but however, I am going to 
uh, represent the reality, and the reality of it is that many of the individuals who are coming to this country are coming from countries that we have actually been personally involved in their politics. In other words, we, you know, we were all over Latin America uh, historically uh, trying to, you know, cr- you know, in Latin America's business. So once you enter into somebody else's business, then I don't think I think that it's also immoral to create chaos in some of these places, and then you're going to back up, and then you're going to complain about individuals who are coming to this country, when in many cases, I believe that we've actually been involved or been responsible for some of the crises that are happening in some of these some of these countries as well. Yes, I totally understand that, and though we haven't seen this in this form, uh, separating children from their parents is a long time uh, uh, consequence that's been happening in urban communities, especially when it comes to uh, the, the war on drugs or anything of that nature. We have had our children separated from us and, 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 and what is known now as the foster system. You know, we have many children that's been separated from their parents through the, through the war on drugs and, and other fallacies that's, that's happened to the African-American community, right. as well as Latino communities. Right. And and there is no reason, obviously, for for that. I mean, what you're doing is you're creating another crisis. And, you know, obviously you have those who believe that it's intentional because it's like a systematic issue with certain communities, especially underrepresented communities and, and communities uh, that are, are minority communities, both immigrant and domestic, where it has been this constant issue of trying to have an impact on those families that actually may have a, a um, you know, have a threat to maybe, for the lack of a better term, uh, yeah. status quo. As a um, as an African American Muslim, uh, we're told we're told in the speech of God that you know we should not divide kids from kin or separate uh, mother from child. That 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 um, that paradise is at the footstep of the mother. So. That right there symbolizes the value in family, and but unfortunately, this group of, of politicians who are pushing this uh, separation are in fear of diversity in this country because, as you know, the the powers are changing ranks. You have more women that are starting to win these elect um, these, these seats. You have you have more people of, of color that are starting to get into uh, democratic seats, and this is really a fear of diversity that America has so much promoted. Um, sexual liberty, the, uh, uh, what they call it, the part of um, uh, I forgot what they called it, but this is the, um, the part of humanity. But it's, a, it's it's basically what you see is trying to counteract diversity coming into power permit a positive social welfare for everybody yeah that's 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 true i mean especially in light of what what's actually been happening you brought up a really good point and one of the things that i've always stated especially um in recent times Mm -hmm. is that you know the immigrant family is probably one of the biggest threats to our way of life or when i say our way of life but the power or the so-called status status quo's way of life from the perspective that, 
demographic the demographics of this country, especially the voting demographics of this country, has changed so significantly over the past what twelve to sixteen years that you're beginning to start seeing individuals that you would normally not be not see get into uh, you know win national elections. You know, it's changing, and and I say that because, um, you know, I think that the uh, the Barack Obama and and his uh, his win nationally, I don't think that people truly understood the significance of him winning that election. I was looking at one poll, and I can't remember what poll it is, and I'm um, I've never really confirmed the numbers. However, the 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 poll that I saw uh, predicted that eighty percent of the Hispanic population and 70-something percent of the Asian population voted for Barack Obama. And that had a significant impact on him becoming president of the United States. I don't believe, that it's, I don't believe it is any accident that uh, Donald Trump's um, platform basically was based primarily on the fact that he was going to take a strong stance on immigration. And that, and when you talk about the whole issue of we're going to take our country back, I believe that that people truly didn't understand what he meant as far as the the immigration aspects. I mean, you can go to places in uh, in the South, and I was I was born and raised in the South, mm-hmm. where you would never see an immigrant. When I grew up until I was probably eighteen years old and went into the military, there was really no immigrant community. However, I went home probably about five or six years ago. That's completely changed. All across this country, you're starting to see a very large immigrant population across the country, and obviously their children are becoming citizens of the country once they're born in this country. So are you beginning to start, you know, it's so symbolic of the fact that you're going to imprison their parents and you're going to indoctrinate their children i mean is that really what we're seeing going on i mean and i know that's a very harsh way of putting it but sometimes you know uh you know you get that idea i mean um i don't feel that the immigrant population is a threat to our existence um i don't feel that uh that this 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 increase of people of color coming into position or into power is a threat because down here in the grassroots community we work and live together anyway. Right. So, and then what we see here in America is the is, is 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 a natural birth of the land that who it naturally belongs to. Of course, of course, the the people who the people who are naturally born um, who this land naturally belongs to they're going to flourish. Right. That's just that's just cosmic law. Mm-hmm. So um, to say that uh, that immigrants hold a threat. Now nah, we just got to get to work and not let the system gentrify us and find ways to uh, bridge our cultures to one another so we could uh, sustain our livelihoods because uh, whether it's Latinos or, or uh, Africans coming from across the waters or even South Asians, we all understand under one principle that God created creation. Right. And the best of us are here to get to know one another. And no. those who choose not to embrace diversity, then they're going to live within their own bubble, within their own fears, because they're so used to being in control 
and you know let them be like that because at the end of the day whatever the creator wants is going to happen absolutely absolutely so <clears throat> and and I agree I don't believe that it's it's a it's it's truly a um a threat to most of us I mean most of us who are basically you know more concerned about the rights of human beings period I think that those who are and and sometimes it is a, a matter of perception and I think that I, it, huh no honestly you know it becomes a threat when there's more uh less jobs for uh, less jobs for humans and more jobs for AI Right. You know, one of the things that I'm still trying to, I guess, trying to figure out whether or not, um, you Who's know. This, this is this Oh, this is Bilal. Yes, what I'm trying to figure out is, is, you know, what was the whole purpose behind, you know, separating the, the child, you know, from from the parent? In terms of whether it, was it a deterrent for other people who would actually come along and try to um, do the same thing, or I mean, you know, what was the ulterior motive behind separating? That's what I just can't understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, there's an ulterior motive. I mean, I think that what uh, this is what they're saying. I mean, there's actually two sections under under the U.S. Code about people entering the United States. Mm-hmm. One are individuals who enter the United States who. Uh, have never been deported before. Mm-hmm. The other code is relevant to people who have been deported before and they're trying to re-enter. Mm-hmm. So depending on how many times you've tried to re-enter and your criminal history, then typically they make a determination. It's called prosecutorial discretion, mm-hmm. where they basically make a determination whether you should be whether you should be prosecuted criminally or whether you should be put into the administrative proceedings. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is is that 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 in the history of this country, the, prosc- the the discretion has always been that, you know, unless you're typically, unless you've uh, illegally been deported, unless you've been deported and entered illegally in the past, typically uh, there is no effort to try to, you know, uh, try to criminally prosecute someone. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And so what happens is is that basically what happens with prosecutorial discretion is, you know, what we're talking about with, with Umar is basically, it, although it, it really isn't a legal analysis, the prosecutors have not been doing it because of humanitarian reasons. Mm-hmm. Because there is, these individuals are coming here trying to seek, you know, whether it's asylum or whatever they're trying to seek, which is a legal way of of trying to enter the country at mm. the borders. That's not that's nothing new when people come to the borders. As a matter of fact, that's how most of all of our ancestors came into this country, with the exception of those who came obviously involuntary during slavery. Mm. But from that point on, most people who come to this country outside of uh, involuntary servitude came with the purpose of trying to seek a better life. And and so the motive is speculative. However. It's clear that basically it's inhumane because unless, especially when you're talking about individuals coming into the country, the generally the concern has always been the safety of the community. So, you know, obviously those who have illegally reentered typically have some sort of criminal back criminal background that would, you know, would 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 cause a prosecutor to prosecute. However, here, these individuals have no criminal history. They're just, you know, a woman coming across the country with her child 
you know, it's like I'm going to snatch her up and I'm going to put her in jail mm-hmm. and prosecute her criminally and then take her child and put her somewhere, put the child somewhere. I, you know, it's yeah. just it's just inhumane. I don't know what the motive could be because, to be quite honest with you, my mind can't go that way diabolically. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know what what really is going on, to be quite honest with you, uh, because I, there is no real legal basis for it. Because they've never done it before. So today you're going to decide that you're going to implement a policy that's going to prosecute every individual who is trying to come into this country Mm -hmm. and separate them from their children. I have no idea what they're thinking about, to be honest with you. um, That was was a good question that you asked. What is the real reason behind it? And I always look at, I always look for the dancing there, you know, when you have, uh, a lot of activity in front. There's something in the back that's moving in the background that you don't notice. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking for that dancing bear that's dancing in the background because what they're using is a distorted sense of the truth. They try to give you what they feel is truth, but it's mainly distorted to support their agenda or whoever's agenda to possibly I don't know maybe if this is. Uh, if it's correct, to, to build this so-called wall. Right. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? To get funds for this wall. So by telling a distorted sense of the truth, use a small use a small percentage of truth and blow it up. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Be real big to, 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 to create more psychogenetic fear into the people. Then they, then, then they will get the moral support to get funds for this wall. Just like when they said that, uh, that Muslims are terrorists when, in fact, uh, Muslims cause the, do not cause any violence more than, as you see right now, you have uh, the white supremacists at the top of the list. And uh, this is what's really, uh, this is what's perpetuating violence in America. So they created this label called BIE, uh, Black Identity Extremists, which is a false label. So they may use a small percentage to distort the truth to get more support. So that's what they're trying to do with this separating the kids, which is, like you said, diabolical. And, and and what you said, I mean, one of the things, and I'll, and I'll uh, ask you the same thing, Doc, but one of the things that you, you, I think you just hit the nail right on the head, is, you know, it, it they're using it as a way of getting what they want. I mean, you, I, and I, you are right. I mean, there's no question about it, because now he's using that inhumane act to try to see if they can get someone to bend and, and possibly get more money to build this so-called so-called wall. 
And what's un- what's interesting is this. This is what I think, at least in my mind. I believe that they've created this false narrative. And I think you did a great job of describing the fact that there is no reason for anybody to feel threatened or, or anybody to feel fearful. However, they've created this narrative in order to, I mean, fearful. fear is the greatest mm-hmm. way of motivating and getting the things that you want. And they've created this fear. Mm-hmm. And in order to appeal to his base, he does certain things in order to, to appeal to the base, that being the fact that these people do feel fearful and threatened by, um, by the immigrant population. It's, it's false, and it's, it's really ignorant, but there are people who really feel that way. And you're yeah. right that he's using that fear in order to get the things that he, that he wants. Basic yeah. business tactics. Right, the way the way he do business. Exactly. So, so like this false narrative, as you see, this false narrative is motivating a woman to call the police on people who's barbecuing at the park. Right. This false narrative yeah. is, is, is 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 motivating probably some good citizens, but they're so scared that they call them trying to harass gardeners and their mom, right, and uh, stop stop people from in their neighborhood. So, once we start educating the people about what's the real social awareness in this country because that false narrative is a form of negative propaganda which can be labeled as some type of education but we have to start owning the real education the real narrative so we can inspire these same people to do the right thing when they come when they come across these situations and stop calling the police and feeling uh, a petty sense of empowerment right Mm -hmm. that's right so I'm like brother Umar. How you doing, brother Bashir? I'm doing. You guys are, are so much on point on so many things. Uh, let me just try to tear it down and backtrack a little bit. First of all, I think it's much more simplistic than uh, we want to realize. There are mm-hmm. self-interests that are on board here, and I think it was articulated extremely well by both of you, by all three of you. But let's look at what is actually going on. Uh, Trump wants to make sure that he maintains a voting block which is going to keep him, and this is the key word, in a position of power. This whole thing is predicated around power. If you tear down the dynamics, first of all, understanding that worldwide we have a massive immigrant uh, exodus out of countries that have been devastated because of war. They have been devastated because of uh, uh, the inability of, of economic regeneration, etc. So here in America... You know, when you talk about letting somebody in a country, it's because they're usually uh, an asset to that country. You don't let them in if you think they're a liability. That's why they go through a screening process at the border, et cetera. It has obviously been proven that the immigrant population, not just the Latino immigrant population, but every immigrant population have served this country uh, for the constructive betterment. So the rationale to keep these people out because they're a liability, first of all, doesn't hold water. Secondly, if they were truly trying to make sure the immigrants uh, did not infuse themselves in this country, why would they not go to the financial um, sustainers who allow the immigrant population to flourish and stabilize themselves here? We're talking about the uh, the major corporations, the major private 
private sources that have used the immigrant population for decades in this country to do the work of the country. So many corporations and so many uh, cities have built their whole nexus, their financial nexus, on the immigrant population. And if you look up up north, uh, all through the uh, the regions, the wine regions, uh, Tulare, uh, et cetera, which are the vegetable regions, California is one of the highest uh, income uh, of California is, is agriculture. And that is dominated by the immigrant population. So when you stop and look at and start analyzing things from a scientific program, you see that that is not the case. Now, when you talk about the separation of the families, what's happening here, and it was uh, articulated again so well, we're talking about a fear narrative. If I can instill the fear in you that your child will be taken if you cross that border, you're going to stay. But then (laughs) the failed understanding is this. Look, I've been to the prisons of El Salvador, Honduras, etc. I know the dynamics that are going on in those countries and why people are running away. And when you think about it in that whole Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador region, um, that whole uh, process was started uh, here in America because of the deportation that Ronald Reagan originally uh, uh, implemented. Then they put in place Montesutro, the heavy hand process. They sent the uh, deportees back to El Salvador. They took the gang culture back there with them, set up house in El Salvador because it was unchecked. The American government did not help El Salvador when that happened, and then they started coming back over here, and then they were deported one more time uh, back to El Salvador, and then that's where we have the killing fields. So we have to historically look at the dynamics of what is actually going on here. And I think to sum all this up, when we look at the immigrants coming over there, you know, we're talking about shared experiences. We're talking about individuals that have been traumatized, that have been uh, put under suppression, and they're coming over here still under an oppressive, suppressive uh, regime. You know, at the end of the day, uh, if you want real solutions to the perspective, you don't drive the people underground that can pinpoint who the real adversaries are. You want some type of community engagement with them. That would come through some form of community policing, etc. So when you don't have that, your whole narrative of what you're saying that this whole context is, is standing on is totally... Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we recently had the... Um the Supreme Court decision, the 5-4 decision on the uh, President Trump's travel ban. Mm-hmm. And basically the the ruling, of course, was, uh, well, the holding basically said that the, that the, <clears throat> that the ban did not uh, exceed the president's authority under the, under the Immigration and Nationality Act and, uh, and does not violate the Establishment Clause, which means that the government is, supposed, is not supposed to be engaged in um, in religious uh, uh, proclamation or religious support or pro- uh, prohibition, uh, and so basically what happened is that basically there was a um, the there was an organization out of Hawaii, the Muslim Association of Hawaii, that basically filed a uh, uh, an action in uh, in federal court in U.S. District Court, and it made it went to the Ninth Circuit and made its way up into the the U.S. Supreme Court. And the problem and what's really uh, dangerous about the decision that was really made is that although they call it the Muslim travel ban, the analysis of the court does not necessarily, uh, you know, really. That's not really what it's supposed to be. In other mm-hmm. words, they did not prohibit it because they said, based upon 
the fact that it didn't violate the establishment clause and that basically that it was it didn't exceed the president's authority <laughs> under Immigration and Nationality Act. And regardless, and clearly it was almost strictly across party lines with the exception, I think, that maybe Justice Kennedy's decision in the case, and unfortunately I believe he's getting ready to retire, announced mm-hmm. his, his retirement. But, I mean, again, it's one of those things that's kind of like uh, a pseudo uh, non-Muslim ban. However, I think in all reality, when you talk about every country that is included in this proclamation that, and I think it was Presidential Proclamation 9465 about the vetting process, Mm -hmm. every one of those countries clearly is a Muslim country. So, you know, I think there's kind of like a way of hiding what what really what's going on here. And I think it kind of goes part and partial with what we're talking about, what's going on at the border. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's all fear. Yeah. Yeah. When Americans because when Americans find out that they cannot travel to their favorite vacation spots. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna be upset, right? <laughs> and I think I think along the lines, it's probably gonna end up backfiring because you know, you know, it's just typical for other countries just to jump on bandwagon and just say, yeah, um, it's just typical for other countries to ban, uh, you know, jump on bandwagon and say, well, okay, since you're not gonna allow this to happen to come into your country, so we're not gonna allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. So eventually, yeah. I think it's gonna backfire. Yeah. Well, you're spot on. Look, <laughs> our. Uh, uh, academic wealth, our, our strategic expertise doesn't come from our own country. We are so far behind in the ec- uh, educational standards worldwide. What you're going to have is people that have been a asset building up the, the, the infrastructure of this country are going to detour and go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Most of them are coming to this country because of the economic means anyway. And so many of them, I don't have the exact percentage, but once they get the education from here, they turn right back and go to their countries. And mm-hmm. I think you're going to see much more of that unless Lastly on that, you know, this this whole travel ban and border thing, come on, this is not anything new. They did it with the Japanese in the internment camps. They did it with the Indians with the promised Christian schools that really changed their culture. They've been doing this for his, for the, the history of this country. And lastly, with us as a people, they totally destroyed us through the uh, crossing. Uh, so I think we need to look at histo- history and really um, decide what type of action steps are we going to take. If we're looking for the federal government uh, to change their dynamic or to change their uh, scope of their, their heart, I think we're looking at an illusion. I think uh, people of color, oppressed people that have worldwide uh, banded together on other issues are going to have to band together on this issue, too. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. think... I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ali. Yeah, what I was going to say is also what's interesting about the whole issue about the... Um, the travel ban is, you know, obviously they're saying that, that, you know, obviously they have to come with some sort of neutral basis for implementing the travel ba- travel ban. And one of the arguments they were making as far as what the rational basis for it is that the court even came to the conclusion that the removal of three Muslim-majority countries, being Iraq, Sudan, and Chad, from the, from the list actually helped suggest that it was for a, um, you know, a, a religious neutral basis it wasn't based upon religion it was a religious neutral basis which i thought was really interesting (laughs) but but really what it what boils down to the whole idea is that there is no basis 
for them That's to right. include That's any right. of these countries on the list to begin with because, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's all po- political because obviously you look at the names, Iran, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen, mm-hmm. right? And then you're going to get rid of, take Sudan, Chad, and Iraq off the list. So, I mean, when you talk about the issue of safety, and this is what kind of what, you know, and, and, and it's sad, brother. It's really sad. Ignorance is a really sad thing. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, if someone is has the and I remember I was on a on a on a train not too long ago coming back from um, the uh, some in, in Los Angeles and I was talking to someone and and the the whole idea and, and there was just, you know, just listening to this individual talk. They did not understand. It's almost like they do not understand, first of all, that Islam is a religion that Muslims are people who worship certain things all over the country, whether you're talking about the United States and everywhere else. And 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 this whole idea that they basically want to uh, destroy America, and I've even heard people almost even go say it's part of our doctrine to, to destroy America or, or Muslims' doctrine to destroy America. I mean, to, to, to have someone that believes those sort of things is... It's almost like, how can you, it's unexplainable. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, is that I'm just going to put that out there. If a billion people wanted to destroy you, a billion people would try to destroy exactly. you. You see what I'm saying? It's more or less kind of a, a political ploy than mm-hmm. it is a legitimate way of yeah. trying to, you know. I, um, I want to challenge uh the men, African-American men, African-American leaders, Christians, everybody, <coughs> to to become more, 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 to become better moral leaders in teaching people. Uh, there's a lack of education, as what Bashir said. There's a lack of education that's plagued the United States. Um, and this lack of education has allowed for a false narrative of, uh, mm-hmm. of Islam to take over. This lack mm-hmm. of education has forced the false narrative of the Native uh, of the Native American. This lack of education has has forced the plague of lies to be spread about Latinos. Mm-hmm. So it, it's time that you know that 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 the men join our sisters on these front lines. Mm-hmm. And and I know and I, and, I, and and most men may take offense to this <clears throat> because the ones the ones who are already on the front lines. They holding it down. I can't lie. You know what I'm saying. Yes, but sir. now we need the average. But now we need the average person to 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 get with that community organizer who comes to you and asks, "Can I do a one to one with you?" As a board member for LA Voice and as a director for the ILM Foundation, community organizing is how we build power. Mm-hmm. This is how we build voices. And um, unfortunately, um, if we don't take this opportunity to step up. We're going to be gentrified out the process, mm-hmm. and and what I mean by gentrified out the process, all this progress that's going on, is going on without us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, and sir. We're going, and, and I refuse, <clears throat> and I refuse to at least, because I've been told to save my myself and my family from the hellfire. So mm-hmm. I refuse to allow ourselves to be gentrified. So that's why I'm involved with um, teaching uh, community accountability. It's easy to hold the other side and tell them, hey, y'all got to come help us. 
But now I want to get back into that mode where we did <coughs> stuff, when we get into uh, self determination, yeah. and we get back into that mode of uh, community accountability. So, like last year, uh, we taught maybe uh, I was I, I taught maybe facilitated rather maybe ten classes over at Stop the Violence Increase the Beast Foundation on community accountability, and then we end up and that led to an action to have a a, 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 a days of dialogue discussion with LAPD, right. and and here we had community members from our community who was who was engaged in interactive exercises to educate them on how to engage uh, civic officers, right. you know, because when we walk into this situation, we don't want them to get in there, don't want us to get in there and vent. It's mm. not a time for venting. This is a time to rhetorically right. state your narrative. So LAPD sent us captains, chief, and commanders, and a police commissioner to discuss the future of community policing in South Los Angeles. So, and this goes across the board. We go... So, so to teach community accountability is to educate our community not to be gentrified in this in this process of progress that is going on, especially in Compton, Los Angeles, Washington, Long Beach. So, you know, I'm just I'm just worried about Cali Southern California. I can't hold up the world, but I would like other men who has who has expertise and certain skills and interests to join us to join these community organizers. And um, let's establish a voice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, go ahead. You know, um, one of the things also I think that we we must do is that um, we have to uh, let people know that they have to stop becoming so gullible. And when it comes to when it comes to the media, when it comes to um, the news. You know, I think that, you know, we talked about it not too long ago with cinema and how it has a negative effect upon, you know, uh, public opinion, how it has a tendency to sway public opinion. And I think one of the things that we do, we get so caught up with the media and the news mm -hmm. that we become so gullible that we accept anything that is dished out. And I think that's where the fear comes in. If we want to put it out that, okay, um, we have tears coming in the country and so we want to we want to create this law to, to ban people coming in from Muslim countries. Okay, so let's say this. Let's say the great majority of the school shootings is, is, is white males between this age and that age, so we're not going to allow no males to go to school. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's where, that's, you know, when you look at it, that's what it, it, it looks ridiculous when you look at it like that. I mean, so one of the things that we have to do is we have to stop becoming so gullible. We got to stop, you know, letting this media sway us to think a certain way, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I know that one of the things that I want to uh, talk about, and I'm glad that you brought up, brought up the issue of action, is that we're going to be uh, on the 28th of, of July, we're actually having this national conference in Los Angeles, by the way, mm. brother, and I hope that you can actually come out. It's actually called Justice and Jury Reform. Uh, conference and one of the things that I wanted to start and we're, we've been talking about a movement about jury reform across the country mm -hmm. uh, where we're trying to get and, and I'm of the opinion that if we begin to want to start dealing with the issues affecting our community especially those re with regards to law enforcement is that one of the things that's happening and I've seen myself as, a, as an attorney and those who have been involved in the criminal justice system is that basically it's juries who make the decision. 
And and far too often the problem with the juries is that the juries are made up of individuals that do not look like the uh, the defendant. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in trials, and I've said this before, I've been in trials in Compton, and there not be no black people on the jury. I've been so in trials in... They kicked me off the jury. Huh? Yeah. So they kicked me off the jury. Uh, <coughs> yeah, because... I see, remember that. And, and, and this is the kind of the question, and, 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 and even in Inglewood, they, they, that's happened. What they do is they... You know, there's ways, there's mechanism in order to challenge the mm-hmm. people on the jury. But what they do is they ask the magic question. They ask the question like, has anybody ever had a negative experience with the police department? Or do you know anybody that had a negative experience with the police department? Obviously, different communities are going to answer that question a different way. Mm-hmm. So once you raise your hand and you say, I've had negative experience with police officers, then they end up kicking the black people off the jury and you challenge yep. them, they're going to say, well, it was race neutral because they had negative experience with police, to police mm. officers. And, you know, we have to, we have to get beyond it. I'm telling you, it, we're not going to be even police officers who are being charged with killing people in our communities are not being, having uh, jurors from the communities that they work in on the jury pool. And we're curious as to why, they end up with not guilty verdicts. We're crying. We're outraged. But until we are a, we should be represented on all these jury pools, whether it's yes, our people in our communities yes, or whether it's police officers who are policing in our communities. Mm-hmm. We have to be involved in that. And, and, and as I said, I mean, trust me, black people will prosecute a black man who's create chaos mm-hmm. in their communities. Mm-hmm. But we do need to make sure that we have individuals that are going to look at the evidence and look at it in a manner that is going to be fair and impartial and if we don't get there if we don't start putting african americans and people across section of the community on these jury pools we're going to have a problem we'll, nothing will ever change you can change laws however you want That's to right. but the jury is the fact finder and when we get on these juries umar you know a lot of us don't even want to be on the jury we don't understand and i'm begging this you have young, some young man whose life is on the line, guilty or innocent, and most of the time, whether no matter how innocent you are, you know, the people on the jury have to be able to presume you to be mm-hmm. an innocent man. And when mm-hmm. you don't look, sometimes when you don't look like them, they don't give you that fair shake. And that is uh, very true. I just left uh, San Jose, California, um, over at Stanford and Palo Alto University to, for the uh, D School of Design. And I met so many people that are <coughs> trying to help us or the urban community, African Americans, work on our own problems. Mm-hmm. But they face a resistance from our community because the apathy, as I mentioned earlier, and the self helplessness that we're stuck in mm-hmm. is blinding us from joining the process. Because there's a lot of resources out there, but when we got to start rebuilding trust, so when there's white person walk up to us or this Asian person approaches and hey, I got this resource that's going to help you or going to help us make the situation better, you know, because of the, the oppressive state of the system's been on our backs for so long, we don't trust anything that comes our way. Mm-hmm. And going back to the, uh, to the education piece, yes, you're going to have gullible people as long as as long as we're not educating mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. so for for those who have the knowledge of the education it's a responsibility for us yes to it is 
Mm-hmm. Not preach, but yes, teach. Yes, it is. Right. Teach people or teach those who, who are willing to learn what we know. Right. What we know. So when this help comes to you, you can recognize it. Right. You can recognize it because community accountability is so important because we cause so much of our own problems that, you know, it's hard to tell somebody, you know, stop shooting when we shoot in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we got so we got to begin to start loving ourselves so our kids won't be the one um, on the news or so our kids can basically get off the news and, you know, and, 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 and start joining the system in a more positive manner because I really believe wherever there's poverty at, you're going to have people stepping up to, uh, to, to aid. But if you don't know what that aid looks like, mm-hmm. you're going to refute it because it's coming in the form of something that you distrust. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's so true. I mean, we do that, and we do need more teachers in the community, mm-hmm. and to impart the 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 proper knowledge to you know, uh, because I mean, basically, you know, reality is so subjective, <coughs> and sometimes when you come into the communities and you're trying to give them some sort of positive, and uh, mentors in my life, and I can really watch you from afar. So, but I can only recognize that because of some of the principles that I've had. I have uh, embraced that you have taught. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You know what I'm so you know, but at the at the same time, need more men out here, my dude. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Need more, need more men out here, and, and 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 I'm gonna make this plea. I don't know if it's a, a right or wrong plea. Why? <laughs> Let your husband out the house, please. <laughs> Let that man out the house to come out here and do this work right. because we need him. Yeah. We need them, you know, we need them, and, and we don't need them to stay out all night, but we just need them to show up to these actions so you can have this thing called presence. Mm, and when well they said. see presence, and when they see this thing called presence, do they know that's, that presence is their constituency mm. who are eligible voters, you know what I'm saying, and that they have a, and that, and that their vote is attached to a narrative, which is our voice. So, right. you know, it's very important that, that we start teaching more, and more men start okay. accompanying these sisters who are on the front line because we got to stand around to protect the scene. Well, I appreciate that, brother. Man, I so well, much yeah. appreciate you coming with us today, man, and joining us, man, and, and lacing us with that you. knowledge. Thank you. And uh, and so uh, and hopefully we can have you back again uh, to speak with us again. Thank you very Stay much. And for All everybody right, else listening in, uh, we'll see you next week, same time, same channel. And until next week, stay blessed. Amen.